welcome to PR Not BS with Fiona Scott. It's the beginning of the year, it's January, it's 2022. I hope you're feeling pumped up and ready for a new year in business, in PR, in charity, whatever it is you're doing, and I wish you much success. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Janie Lee Grace. I'm not going to pretend I know a lot about Janie because I don't. This is the first time we've actually spoken. So uh, Janie, I'm going to let you introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Well, I, I wear quite a lot of hats, as I often say, um, but I suppose I'm best known as a co-host on Steve Wright in the Afternoon on BBC Radio 2. I've been doing that gig for, oh my goodness, 22 years. I've been in the media a long time. I was working for Virgin Radio before that. I've done lots of TV gigs. and So I've done an awful lot in the media, but I'm also an author. Um, I have my own uh, website called imperfectlynatural.com and I've written several books on holistic living and more recently I've written uh, a book on sobriety because I ditched the booze not because I was at rock bottom but just because I wanted to uh, be healthier and happier so I kind of do wear quite a lot of hats but I think they do link together in the sense that my my second career as a influencer of natural products and an author only took off because of the stuff I was doing on the radio. So because I was sharing my own views and my own story, uh, a publisher came to me and, and the rest is history. And I do have experience at being on both sides of the microphone. So that might be something we want to talk about. You know, I've been the producer and the presenter receiving the press releases and having to make a decision. But I've also been the person sending out the press release wanting to get PR for myself. So I've got a little bit of a of an overview of, of both sides. Brilliant. I mean, that kind of insight is just gold dust for the people that are going to be listening here, Janie. So let's go back to your um, radio days, your full time journalism days, if you like, or broadcasting days. What was your experience of PR then? How important were PR people, PR hybrids or people like me to you at that point? Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure I'm the best person to answer that because I've never worked as a as only a producer. I've always been a presenter and, and you know, doing some production alongside. When I did my own shows on BBC Radio London, for example, I had to do everything myself, jacking up guests and everything else. But I mean, I can speak generically in that from the perspective of a producer and, uh, an, and an editor and a presenter, and I'm guessing a journalist as well, really, even if you're in print, we don't really necessarily much care how the story comes to us. What we care about is whether it's a good angle. So, you know, I remember when my first book came out and we hired uh, PR and, and it was pretty disastrous, if I'm absolutely honest, um, because, you know, I think that's the way it goes sometimes. And I don't think I got a single bite as a result of the massive amount of money I'd spent on, on a, a PR agency along, alongside my publisher. But then I thought, you know something, I think I'm just going to have a go at this myself. And so I emailed directly and said, hey, I'm the author and I can talk about this or this or this. So here's three great angles you might want to use. Um, and subsequently got a whole bunch of press and, uh, and interviews. And indeed, one interview that I was able to jack up um, was the reason my first book went to Amazon number one overnight. And that was in the days before, before people rigged it <laughs> in, uh, that was goodness, 2006. That was 2006, right? So my book went to number one overnight on Amazon, having previously been unheard of, not in any bookshops, because, you know, Waterstones and all the other bookshops that were around at the time just kind of 
didn't know who I was and didn't care and didn't want to put the book in the shop. Um, but the second I did that radio interview, it just completely went off, went to Amazon number one overnight. Uh, now, I'm not, I know we're not specifically necessarily talking about books, but the point is the same. I think if you if you have a story, if you have an angle, then the media are, are interested. I, because I work with a lot of people in health and well-being, they constantly say to me, oh, it's so difficult to get press for what I'm doing because the media don't want stories about health. I mean, absolute nonsense. You know, journalists want to fill their column inches, as you well know. Editors do want good stories. It's got to be exactly right for their platform. There's absolutely no point pitching a music-only program to be interviewed. What would be the point? So you do need to do your, your, your research. But ultimately, in answer to your question, um, of course the media need good PR stories. And of course, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, business owners, we need the press. We, we need the media. It really is a two-way thing. When you uh, go back to that news release, whatever PR provider was trying to help you in, back in the day, what was the difference, do you think, Janie, between what they sent out to the media and what you did? Hmm. I mean, I, I, I can't remember at the time what they did, but I do know that, you know, years later, I've worked with lots of brands helping them to get their stuff out there. And I know what doesn't work and I know what sometimes does. And nothing's blanket, of course. But what doesn't work is sending your press release. And people use that word very loosely because people tend to think many businesses think that if they have a product and they want someone to buy it, then the answer is to send their information or they may call it a press release to a journalist, which effectively says, I've got this great product, buy it, you know, feature me, buy it. Well, most journalists and editors and producers are just going to glance at that. Well, if it gets if it gets as far as them glancing at it, usually it would end up in the bin um, or the delete box before they've even opened it. But if they do open it and see that this is just a bit of puff about the product that you happen to have, however great it is, they're they're trained. Their their kind of default position is, oh, okay, someone's trying to plug their product. We'll send that over to advertising department. Right. It's as simple as that, because their job, the media's job, journalist's job, uh, producer's job is not to promote your product. It doesn't matter how great it is. That's not what they're there for. You know, um, I mean, we all we all know the BBC won't do any advertising in inverted commas, but neither will anyone else. No one wants to do that. However, if you've got a story, if you've got an angle, if you've got a connection, then of course they're going to want to talk about the story, the angle, the connection. And in so doing, your product or service will, of course, be promoted. I, I say this to people all the time, but business owners particularly find this a very hard concept to grasp, Janie, because they mm. think they're so desperate to sell their product or service, they forget that good stories, in my view, and always has been, so I'm horribly nosy, come from people. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's the thing that I teach all the while when I kind of teach people in the, on this stuff is, you know, people do business with those they like, know and trust. And in order for that to happen, they have to know something about you. Um, you know, particularly if it's a small business, we want to know something about, you know, the brand story, something about the person, what happened to them? What's the, what's the story behind that product that you're trying to sell? I know there are a few exceptions to the rule, but, but in general, the companies, the brands that do well are the ones who recognize that actually they are the brand. I wrote a book called You Are the Brand, because <laughs> you are the brand. Even if you don't have a brand, how you present yourself 
is super important. And, and when brands are able to recognize, okay, so I'm trying to sell my product, but I do have to carefully choose which bits of me I'm going to include here. And I do a lot with people around confidence training. And again, so many of the people I've worked with are in the kind of health world. So they'll be, they might be typically coaches or therapists or practitioners, and they want publicity for the for their services, of course. But when then when I have these discussions with them, they'll say, oh, don't, don't look at me. It's definitely not about me. You know, it's about reflexology or it's about aromatherapy. But there are millions, literally millions of aromatherapists. There's only one you. And you have to be willing to step into the spotlight and share something of your story or something of your uniqueness, you know, your USP, that, that lovely phrase, unique selling point. I turn it around and I call it your USP. So it's Y-O-U. So what is it about you that actually is the selling point behind this product. And usually when you dig deeper, certainly with a lot of small businesses, with a lot of solopreneurs, actually there is a story. They've very often started creating their product or their service because something happened to them or because they healed themselves from something or because they looked after their child who had eczema. So then they decided to create the most amazing organic cream or whatever it might be. There often is a story, but they're often quite reticent to share it. I um, wanted to ask you, because quite often when I'm at business events, even now, you'll get someone, I always call this the mission statement, mm. where someone gives you a whole load of guff about what they're selling and what they're doing. And at the end of it, you have no idea who they are or what they actually do. Yeah, that, 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 is, a, that is a problem. <laughs> I come across that as well. Um, one of the things that I try and encourage people to do really early on is, is craft a really simple sentence as to exactly what it is they do. And you'll be amazed, as you say, you, 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 you find it too. I think one of the problems is we've been all been had this drilled into us for so many years that we need an elevator pitch, right? And so we work super hard at crafting this, this sort of super duper marketing statement that has all these fancy words in it. But as you say, at the end of it, you're left having no idea what someone does. Um, I mean, I remember years ago, again, to, uh, sorry to keep mentioning this. It's just I ended up, I've ended up working with lots of people who are in, in uh, alternative health and well-being. So I worked with a woman who's, um, whose work was as a, as a coach or a practitioner, uh, and she worked with, with women who, who wanted to, uh, who were perhaps at midlife and then they wanted to change careers or whatever it is. Um, and so, you know, we were chatting about some of the qualities that she has and, and, and how good she is at, at helping other people. So I said to her, you know, in a sentence then, who are you? What do you do? And she said, I'm a transformer. Well, at that time, my, my little boys were kind of eight and nine. And I'm thinking, <laughs> so you're one of those toys. No, actually, no, you're not. <laughs> now, of course, I know what I knew what she meant. Of course, I did. And, you know, the word transform is lovely from your marketing language. But to sort of declare I'm a transformer with nothing to follow up on that is absolute nonsense. Um, so you're absolutely right. We need a mission statement or an intention or just a few words that say exactly what we do and how we do it. And you're, and you're completely right. Clean, you know, clean language, as they say in NLP. Just let's talk straight, right? Yeah, I totally agree. Why? PR, not BS. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I also find that um, the thing is, if you have an elevator pitch that is very wishy-washy and full of a mission statement, it's boring once you've heard it 10 times. 
Yeah. And also people, new people, are, they're embarrassed to say to you, I don't actually understand what you do. Mm. Um, they'll rather ignore you or move. People will have seen this in networking. They'll ignore you or be slightly embarrassed. I'm not. I'll often say, I don't actually understand what you do. Oh, you sell skincare products. I get it now. Mm. Mm. But if you're doing that in the media, in your coverage in your social media on your website you're actually i believe i don't know if you agree with me janie you're actually turning people away yeah 100 percent. i mean the reason that i started doing this work that, that that i've been doing now for a few years uh help you know helping people with their with their media relations the reason i started doing it is literally because we had obviously i won't name names but we had people come in to radio two so they had been given an incredible opportunity to speak to 9 million people. And I remember one occasion, I won't go into detail, but we had an author who had a great book, was no doubt great at what they did. The book was great. An amazing opportunity that their publisher had obviously managed to jack up for them. And and this person had done no prep. So many people think it's perfectly okay just to rock up to an interview and have a chat. Uh, They'd done no prep whatsoever. And it was absolutely appalling it was literally as you've just described they were unbelievably nervous which is understandable but again it's not rocket science you can sort that Uh, unbelievably nervous talking complete gobbledygook about what they actually do and it was such a mess we had to drop the interview because this one was pre-recorded and I was I was actually devastated on behalf of that person because I just thought you know what this is just skills I do see it a lot. I have seen it a lot over the years that people will manage to attract an opportunity and then not maximise it at all. Janie, how do you deal with someone who is um, too verbose? Because I've had this sometimes, in fact, very recently, someone who wants to go into such a high level detail, you suddenly find you're starting to fall asleep. Or that It's almost like they're trying to read an essay out in an interview. I mean, talk about how to actually hone your message and not make it too long, too dense, too boring. So it sounds like you're digesting an act of parliament. Yeah. Well, I I, I often give people a a few top tips, really, if they're going to be interviewed. Um, You know, number one, absolutely do your prep, as I've already kind of alluded to. And what I mean by that is, well, it's obvious. I know it's obvious, but I'll say it anyway. Make sure you know what interview you're going in to do. Make sure you know what the angle is. Make sure you know who the audience is. These things are super important. Uh, it's, it's so important to know the energy of the person who is interviewing you and to know what the style of the program is. So that's, that's really critical. So do your prep as to exactly what you're going in for, as it were. What is the angle they're looking for? Usually, particularly if it's, it is a radio station or a TV station, it's perfectly okay to actually ask them, what angle are you expecting from me? Right. Because you might find it's completely different to the one you're about to offer, in which case at least you can have a debate about that or conversation. So do your prep in terms of what it is you're actually going to speak about. Know how long you've got, but always be ready to shorten it down. So I would recommend always having a couple of key messages, you know, one takeaway that that if God forbid, and actually it's not that unusual these days, you know, you went you had a 20 minute interview coming up, but then they ran in and said, oh, do you know what? We've got a, a pref briefing from the government i mean they're every other day right um so actually you know what we can only give you three minutes well doesn't matter you'll have prepped exactly your one big key takeaway message 
which won't take more than that. So, you know, always know what your key takeaway message is and know what your agenda is. We know that politicians do that. Of course they do. But you can have your own agenda, even if it's nothing controversial or political. By your agenda, what I mean is be prepped up on exactly what it is you want to get across. Not too much, though. You know, key messages, one key message, maybe a couple of other things. And then in terms of, as you were saying, that great long rambling answer, which I'm doing one one now, apologies, <laughs> is Actually, You're allowed, though. We want the rambling. It, keep your answers short. Just keep your answers short because then there'll be more time to get more in. But do get across what you want to get across. And here's the top tip. Make sure you've prepped your key message, your takeaway, your mission statement, you know, but not in marketing speak, in, in so that you can say it in one minute and then make sure you can say it in 30 seconds. And then you'll never go wrong. If you've, if you've rehearsed delivering what it is you do and the impact you can make or your product can make in one minute, and then you can cut it down and do it in 30 seconds, you'll always be okay. Yeah, I totally agree. And because I worked in TV for a long time, and I often use the Graham Norton show, I say those celebrities don't come on there because they've just turned up and popped up out of the ether because Graham Norton's been on the phone to them. They're there to promote something. Absolutely. Which is usually a book or a film or something like that. A lot of books this time of year. So, you know, that is their sales message, isn't it, Janie? They have a sales yeah. message just like anyone else. Yeah, they're doing they're doing the rounds. I'm glad you brought that up because it's another really interesting take on it, I think. Lots of people, when they're trying to get some kind of um, media interview or they're trying to do some kind of press, their attitude is, okay, I'm only going to talk about my my book. I'm not going to discuss anything else or I'm not going to have a view on anything else um, because, you know, you as the presenter should have read my book. The amount of people that have <laughs> had, a, had a hissy fit because the journalists or the, or the presenters haven't read I mean, do they not realise we're only given the book the night before if yeah, we're lucky, yes. right? And, that, and if we've had a couple of people actually walk out because we haven't read their book. You know, I mean, please, come on, grow up, right? But neither of the audience read their book. So it really doesn't matter. In fact, we can ask probably more informed questions if we've only been able to skim read it and read the intro. And, you know, we can probably ask more informed questions because we'll ask the questions that the punters are going to want to ask, right? Uh, but anyways, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is absolutely just be prepared to just share the salient points of what's, of what's going on and what this is about. Yeah, I totally agree. And also, um, you don't want to give too much of your book or your film away because you want people to buy it, go and look at it. So you, what you need to give away is a bit of personality. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I meant for. I went off on my tangent. That's exactly it. So, so, you know, as you say, celebs will be doing the rounds, won't they? And what can happen is you can be interviewing somebody for uh, about about anything. You know, you might end up talking about their holidays or whatever it is. But at the end, they get their plug. You know, we see that all the, the pieces in the press about, I don't know, you know, what do you want? Is it, you know, do you have bacon for breakfast or do you have porridge and do you have this? Do you have that? And they're all just just lifestyle stuff. But then at the bottom, it will say whoever it is, his new book is out now. That's their little bit. That's their press plug. That's the, you know, the thing you that, that you hang it onto. That's the peg. Well, it's, right? it's the give and take, isn't it? The, the hook for the journalist is the in the moment story, the what's exactly. topical. And the hook for the business owner or author is their opportunity to have that one plug. And it usually is one. 
Exactly. It, it, exactly. That's exactly it. And, and you know, and then, uh, then people would go, well, but what's the point of me doing this if we're not like taking a section from the book? But again, it comes back to people do business with those they like, know and trust. So if we read something about you, and of course, there is this thing in, that they do say in PR that I don't know what number you're quoted, but it started off where people used to say, we need to see something about you or hear something about you at least seven times. But then I've heard it say 70, haven't you? <laughs> I, I think that if you think, Janie, I mean, I started my business 14 years ago, how social media was pretty much nowhere then, a bit yeah, of chat true. where it is now. True. I reckon yeah. that's loads and loads of times before you are embedded enough. It, but, on their radar. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think it, it, you know, it does come down to who is this person? It's like, oh, okay, I saw them chatting about their holidays on Graham Norton's show. Or, oh, I read that little piece about what they like for breakfast. Oh, I heard that podcast interview they did. Oh, I, I saw that, that Twitter thing they did. That was really interesting. Who is this person again? They're kind of on my radar now. Oh, right. They're the one that's got that service. Or, oh, it's their product. That's interesting. And only then do you start to become interested. If if every post, if every message is just, I have a product, buy it, <laughs> it's completely off-putting. Yeah. Um, it is about building relationships. And I've learned, I realise now as a business owner 14 years in, if I'd had the knowledge I have now as a business owner back when I was a full-time journalist, I'd have been a much better journalist, you know. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I do think the two things do intertwine, there's no doubt. Um, right. Okay. Jamie, tell us, I'm going to ask you to get out a bit of a crystal ball for 2022. What do you think are things that business owners or marketing execs or people who run charities should be thinking about in 2022 that the media might be thinking about and interested in in 2022? I don't know that I have anything uh, magical to, that, that's completely brand new to be able to share. Um, but I just think that we're in a situation where, you know, there's an awful lot of people who are recognizing that we want to take back some responsibility for ourselves. You know, of course, I'm in the health and well-being kind of arena. So so it feels much more that feels much more um, in focus for me. We're in a time where people are so divided. Everyone's views are becoming so divided about so many different things. Um, but people will want to make up their own minds about certain stuff. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to see lots of different opinions. So I think being able to share something of your own story is really key and really important. And I think actually vulnerability comes into that as well. So I don't think that business owners should be afraid to share a little bit of vulnerability, if there's any to be had. I'm not saying concoct a story, but um, it's actually okay to to share that perhaps you haven't your business hasn't had the best time over various lockdowns or whatever it might be. Um, people do actually love it when uh, when there's an honesty and a transparency. I think more of us want to see that, and we respect people that are willing to to share that kind of vulnerable side. And we also love a, a success story when someone's risen from the ashes. We love that. Why, why wouldn't we? And I think the media are probably, hopefully, going to be open to, you know, if it's a good story, if it's a good angle, I think, I think it needs to be out there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think vulnerability. I did a post 
on LinkedIn before Christmas because I had to take some time off because my father-in-law died suddenly, which was a huge impact on my family mm. and an impact on, therefore, on my business, being a one-woman band. Yeah. And I just put it out there and just said I won't be as active as I am. And I think I've had more hits and traction on that one thing than yeah. the rest of the year. So No, I agree. It's, it's, it's being relatable, isn't it? And I think when you can be relatable, and again, it comes back to the same thing. When you're relatable, people can see there's a real person there behind the business not a huge conglomerate that don't care about you but a real person and they're the businesses that I think will will thrive actually I suppose people might think it's a bit strange Janie that I've have asked you to come on the podcast when we do really similar things but I don't know about you but one of my predictions for good business going forward and authentic business is collaboration mm around skill sets. Um, I firmly believe there's a lot of business out there for everybody, regardless. I mean, do you agree? Definitely, definitely. I think collaboration is absolutely the way forward. You know, years ago, when I, before I really, um, yeah, probably before I started my business, I used to think that if someone else was successful, it almost meant that if somebody else was successful in an arena, then I couldn't be. You know, I had this kind of bizarre idea until I realized that, in fact, it was a YouTuber. <laughs> Who'd have thought? And I got my wisdom from a YouTuber. You know, when YouTubers were like, when Alfie came on the scene and all the YouTubers were like really big, we interviewed a YouTuber. And the question to her was, um, words the effect of, oh, you're friends with Zoella, but Zoella has got mega, mega, mega millions of hits and, you know, no offence, but you haven't got, quite got that many. How do you feel? And her answer was, all ships rise in high tide. And I thought, I love that. Um, and it's completely true. I think the more collaboration there is, of course there's enough business in inverted commas for everyone. Absolutely. And I think, it, I just think it makes it um, clearer it just it just underpins everything when 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 people that are doing similar work can appreciate each other yeah I totally agree with you I I recently had some flowers sent to me by a branding specialist months ago I was asked to recommend someone now I know a lot of branding people I could recommend 20 probably but I chose three I had one that I thought was a front runner, be a really good fit, but I chose three, sent it off, and I got flowers from her at the weekend because that relationship worked. Because I authentically thought, right, I'm just going to choose three. Yeah. And I think journalists are really good at this, and, and broadcasters were super connectors. We naturally yeah, can yeah. think that person will work with that person. I can naturally think, oh, I think that person will work much better with Janie than with me, for example. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's it. That's it. When you can when you can become a connector, I think that's what really makes a difference. Yeah, definitely. Janie, thank you so much. Now, how can people find you? So, yeah, all my stuff is at JanieLeeGrace.com, all my kind of media relations stuff. Um, and I'm very findable on social media. It's just at JanieLeeGrace. And uh, obviously I'm on the radio. I also do a show for UK Health Radio where I do a lot of my uh, health and well-being stuff and I have a podcast called Alcohol Free Life so yeah I'm quite I'm quite findable marvelous thank you so much Jamie thank you it's, it's been, been great fantastic fun. to chat to you and meet you for the first time thank you um, yeah thank you and I love I love your podcast it's such a fantastic idea I absolutely love it so many people you know even now constantly get people to say to me I'm really scared of PR I don't know how to do it it's all just spin and, and oh I'm so scared and you're cut, cutting through that 
Oh, thank you very much. Well, that's what I hope to do. But um, thank you very much, Janie. And thank if you. you. If you enjoyed today's podcast and you want to find out where I am, I'm at www.scottmedia.uk at the Fiona Scott on Twitter, which is easily the best place to find me. And um, please listen in next time. Thank you. Thank you.